Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mountain Man Dan Show. It's been a little while since we put an episode out. Um, one thing I hadn't considered when we were moving over to doing all the recording on a computer is I don't have my own personal laptop or computer. Uh, we only have my wife's. So when I go out on jobs, I don't have the ability to take that computer with me to record. And I started working again here um, about six weeks ago. So I haven't had the computer with me to be able to record. I'm actually recording today with my cell phone. I decided to uh, try something a little different with cell phone recording or solo recording and see if it would work well enough to get an episode out. Um, hopefully I'm, I'm trying to uh, get together the funds to buy my own laptop and we can start bringing that out here on jobs with me and be able to set up a little recording studio in the camps and then I'll be able to still have you know co-host stars or, or guests and whatever on the show with me but for tonight it's just going to be me um not a whole lot has happened since the last episode I started working on the uh, LES the pipeline uh back in end of February and that's going really good for me so far. It's a little slower pace than paving I normally do. Be a little steadier paycheck. I don't have a I won't have a break during the winter anymore, but I'll have a little more time off in the summer. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's nice a little a lot more laid back than paving the kind of work I'm used to. So <clears throat> excuse me. We'll see how that goes. Uh updates since the last podcast. I'm trying to go through my notes here and uh write and I'll check and see what I've got written down. I always kinda of keep notes in between episodes. Okay, so since the last ep- after the last episode, um, I don't remember if I posted a picture on Facebook or made a comment when Roy and I were talking, but somebody asked me how we start, how, you know, if you ever in a survival situation out in the tundra, uh, how you would go about finding firewood to start a fire, because if you look at, you know, pictures of the tundra, it just looks like flat nothing and snow. And that's not really entirely the case. If you look at across the tundra it looks flat but if you were able to walk across it there's little gullies and it's not flat ground it's extremely hard going and anywhere there's a gully there's going to be brush like alder brush and you can usually find enough dead alder brush and stuff to start a fire if you need to and then also anywhere there's a river like um like skag river or anything like that that go out through the tundra you'll be able to find root lodges most of those rivers start up in the up in the mountains with the trees so generally you can find root wads around uh, larger water sources, and then there's always those little thickets, alder brush, in the gullies and that kind of stuff. So there is ways to find firewood. Not great firewood, but you can start. You can get enough of a fire started to uh, get yourself warmed up, or you know, not hate to try to gather up enough of that to keep the fire going for a couple of days. But it could be done. You know, if it was a life and death situation, it could be. It could be done. So I don't remember who asked me that question, but. It's a good question, and I wish I would have uh, been able to touch on it a little more at the time. Anyway, um, let's talk about the 375 Ruger for a minute. I finally, after a lot of begging and pleading and searching and pulling out my hair, I finally got all the stuff to be able to reload through it. The brass was kind of a pain in the butt. Um, one thing I did not consider, uh, I didn't think that people would be panic buying 
the uh, reloading components for a 375 Ruger. So I bought the rifle. I didn't have any components already on hand. And so the first components I tried finding was brass. I couldn't find these brass anywhere. I could find 416 Ruger brass on um, Gunbroker for a few bucks a piece. I could find 300 uh, uh, Ruger, the uh, 300 PSR, PRS, PRS, whatever. And it's based on the 375 Ruger case, and that's down to 30. Uh, again, it was several bucks a piece, all Hornady brand. And I couldn't, but I couldn't find 375 Ruger. Uh, a little bit of butt hurt back in that because I put an ad on MeWe, which is a social media platform that allows gun talk, asking if anybody had 375 Ruger brass. Some guy came back, said that he did. Um, long story short, I spent him quite a bit of money for uh, 100 pieces of 375 Ruger brass and uh, never saw it. So uh, you've got to be aware of that kind of stuff right now. Uh, with the availability of reloading components and guns, uh, I'm finding there's a lot of people taking advantage of that, that everybody's desperate trying to find stuff. And on the social media platforms and, like, gun broker options, eBay, anything like that, I'm finding a lot more um, scammers than we would normally see. And actually, some of them, the, uh, some of them, I don't know if they're actually young people, they just done their homework, but some of them, like, this guy had to brought, I talked to him back and forth for a day and a half before I actually found the money, and he seemed like a legitimate, you know, knowing gun guy, Cedar and 
die, I wear a set of those. Probably got everything at the house, got everything gathered up, and I am still rather kind of mad about this. I still need to call Lee and see if they'll replace the part for free because on their website they want to charge me for the part. But on the second case I sized, I broke the decapping pin on that Lee die set, and it pissed me off. Because it's not like I was sizing military crimp primers or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sizing one spired Harley brass that, you know, those large rifle primers, those primers aren't hard to push out. You can almost push them out by hand if you push hard enough on a punch. So I'm guessing it was a defective material that, you know, didn't pass quality control. I'm not a huge fan of reloading reloading equipment. Their dies usually work pretty good. This is actually the first time I've ever broke a Lee decapping pin. Um, because normally when you hit something solid like a Birdman Prime case or anything, to put the decapping and just push up to the top and die through that collet. Um, I've never broken one before, so that's what really kind of irritated me. But, you know, I may do. I had, a, I had an old um, Lee, one of the old Lee uh, um, handler kits.
I put it on my Zestiva Model 9922 rifle just for initial testing. Very impressed with the scope so far uh, for the price range. I think you get 250 or 300 bucks for those scopes, still, depending on if you're running a sale or not. I think sometimes you'll even throw on a base, a mounting base for you know whatever if you had one. So really, really reasonable price on the scope. Really surprised um, at the quality of the scope. It kind of comes with a throw lever, which is uh, like I bought the Vortex for my 375 Ruger, and it was an expensive scope. It's uh, MSRP on that scope is 899, and it didn't come with a throw lever or anything. It didn't even come with scope caps that were worth a crap. It came with the slip over uh, scope caps with the little elastic string on them. Uh, the Skinner comes with nice flip caps, um, and it comes with the throw lever, which is a really nice feature uh, if you're going to be out in the brush. <coughs> excuse me, and Needing to change the power quickly, you know, for you know, if you're kind of cheap in the high country and you see a bear coming at you, and you need to throw that that uh, soap power down to one power really quick. It's going to be really great for that. Um, glass glass quality is really nice. I was really impressed with the glass quality for the price point. Uh, the usable has just a BBC reticle. I haven't figured out what the uh, excuse me, what the distance between the hash marks are on the reticle yet, but um. It's a BDC, so it can be figured out and out to uh, you know you can program your load kind of to that BDC or I guess uh, customize your dope card to the BDC on the scope uh, if, you, if you know what the spacings are. But uh, Andy was telling me that you know, for most like 308, 223, that kind of stuff, it's going to be if you sign in for 100 yards, the hash marks will be pretty close, you know, for one, two, three, four, five, and 600 yards. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to test that out yet. I put it on the 22, and at 50 yards, I tested the tracking on it um, and, and sight in. And I got to say, the tracking on that scope was absolutely perfect. I shot, you know, what I normally do when I test tracking on a scope at all. I think on this scope, I ran 60 clicks. So I'll run 60 clicks up, right, down, left. And then I'll run the op a square in the opposite direction, you know, down, right, up, left. I'm sorry, down, left, right, up, and then right again. And for that final, you know, 15-shot group in the center, they were almost all touching with running some thunderbolts. So that's really, really impressive. I was really impressed with how well that scope tracked for as cheap as it is, especially considering it was I wanted, it was two below zero when I was out there testing that scope out. So really, really, really impressed with that little scope. Um, I went ahead and put on a 2.23 that I just picked up, and I'll be testing it out when I get home a little more, testing it out at longer ranges, and then from there I'm going to go ahead and throw it on my one of my 4570s and maybe use it for bear season, um, and then throw it on my 458 one mag and give it the uh, the endurance testing for recoil. Um, speaking of, I don't know what I want to talk about the T23, the bear hunt first. Let's go with the bear hunt. So, first week of May, I am going down to Yakutat with a group of friends from church, and we're going to be going and spending a couple of days in Yakutat doing some uh, halibut fishing and stuff, and there should be an opportunity while I'm down there to uh, go out after bear. And uh, then if we have uh, both black and grizz down there, I can get over the counter tags for it. I mean, it actually, uh, uh, new glacier bears there as well, 
what you're talking about. Are they, I don't know if I can skin over the counter tag for those, not for the drawing tag, but it'd be cool to see when I'm going to get some pictures and take a camera with me. So that would be fun. You know, I always had a plan out a spring and do something. I've always wanted to go halibut fishing in the spring or whatever. I think, like, work always gets in the way, but with this new job, it seems like uh, I'll be a little more flexible and being able to get days off to go do fun things like that. Uh, and then over down there, uh, we'll be able to go out and do a little bit of uh, ocean fishing for king salmon as well, probably. So it, it should be fun. It's going to be a good time, good group of guys I'm going down with. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to take my Marlin GBL 4570 down there with me or take a, my, my 375 Ruger. I'll probably end up taking the 375 just because it um, opens up distance a little bit more, so if I get presented with a little longer shot um, on a bear, even if we're, while we're out on a boat or something, uh, if there's one up on the bank, I have a little more range with the 375, so I'll probably take the 375 with me, but I might I might take both, you know, maybe just, just take both, take both, and all 29 out there and have some fun. So, yeah, really looking forward to that, and then let's talk about the 223 a little bit. So here a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, we could go today, actually. I traded into a Remington R15BTR. Uh, and I haven't done a whole lot of research on this rifle yet. I know that when Remington first bought out Bushmaster, they kind of built these rifles as a joint, uh, joint combo, whatever you want to call it, between Remington and Bushmaster. So the whole AR frame was built by Bushmaster. Except for the barrel, it has a Remington barrel on it, and it's got that goofy tri-sided Remington barrel that they put on all their accuracy guns. Um, so then it's got the Remington 5-over rifle, and it has a 223 chamber instead of a 5.56 chamber, which I prefer. Uh, so, and it's got, it's, got, it's got a heavy barrel on it, 24-inch. Uh, you know, inside the handguard where it's not triangular, you can look inside the handguard and see it's in a extremely heavy barrel for an AR. You know, so I got a free floating handguard, A1 style stock on it. I think really can send them out with five round magazines, but I got thirty round mag pull magazines with it. <laughs> I don't think the thing's been shot more than about ten times. The soap wasn't sighted in on it when I got it. Uh the guy I got it from was an older gentleman. He told me he bought it brand new. And he told me he'd never had a rifle with scope on it before. And that he couldn't his eyes didn't allow him to use a scope. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever, maybe maybe you have some kind of eye condition. So I went and bought the rifle from a really nice rifle, trigger on it, stuff, so if I didn't change the trigger, um, uh, some other things on it, but, you know, decent rifle. I got a really good price on it, and it had this monstrous uh, scope on it. It had a sight mark, you know, the Tasco of 2020. Uh, it's one of the early sight mark scopes because these guys had the rifle for 10 years. So it was a sight mark 8.5 to 25 or 8.5 to 26 or something like that. And this poor guy had the thing cranked up all the way to 25 pounds. I didn't realize that until I got a home. He looked through the scope and it's just everything was a blur. So I'm guessing uh, the guy really didn't know anything about scopes. And I feel kind of bad for him, but, um, you know, he lost my game. So I went ahead and I threw that Skinner Optics 1 to 6 on there for now. And I'm going to, when I get home, I'm going to do a little bit more accuracy testing with that 223 and that scope. And then I'm going to use that 223 to do some long range 
testing with it, both testing out that BBC and kind of seeing where it matches up with 223, you know, as well as probably trying to um, figure out some hand loads, figure out my ballistics and dope, and click in some shots, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards, whatever I can get out there for range and see how that scope does that uh, for distance shooting like that. So pretty excited about that. Um, really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to this job. So it's gonna it's gonna give me a lot more free time. I'm gonna have to work for a few weeks and I'll have a couple weeks off or you know, at least days off at a time here and there instead of just working fourteen hours a day, seven days a week, all through the summer paving and then going up north and uh, working in Prudhoe, same kind of ship during the winter and having time off. And then when I have time off, I don't have any income coming in, so I don't have money to go do anything. Because, you know, just in case I don't have seasonal work, I want to keep all the money in the bank. And this, this will be a lot better for me. It's a lot more laid back. I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to the bear hunt. I'm, looking for, I'm still planning on doing a bear bait uh, somewhere local to me. And I'll probably start setting that up next time I go home, actually. I just got up here to pump station four yesterday. I'll probably be up here for a week or two, and I'll go home. And I'll, as soon as I go home again, I'm planning on starting to set up my bear bait. I've already uh, bought some stuff for the bear bait. Uh, and got a, I think I've got a pretty good location picked out. I don't have a snow machine right now, but I haven't been able to get out there and kind of do some more uh, scouting and surveillance. So I'm waiting for the snow to kind of recite a little bit so I can get out there with the four-wheeler. Uh, we got dumped on the snow this year, and I just can't get out there with the four-wheeler right now. But well, once, it, once it warms up, the snow melts a little bit. I'm looking forward to getting out there and kind of starting to set up for that. And then obviously going to the Yakutat is going to be fun. Like I said, I might, might end up taking more than one rifle with me, depending on how much luggage I got and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, getting ready to get back into long-range shooting. You know, I used to shoot long-range quite a bit when I was younger. And at one point, I didn't have that rifles were at, in my in my area. I decided that rifles were too easy to shoot, and got heavily in the handgun shooting um, about six years ago. I haven't really done a whole lot of long range rifle work in the last six seven years, maybe even longer. Probably not since I left Alaska, so that was in 2014. So anyway, there were several years of not shooting. So I want to start practicing a little more, getting back into it. You know, I've, done a little, I've made a couple decent long shots on game in the last couple of years. Not to say I don't ever shoot semi-long range, you know, four, five, six hundred yards. I really like to get back into that, you know, thousand yards and beyond. So I'm probably going to start building a uh, special gun for that. Maybe a, much of that, a to six five cream or maybe a uh, two eighty Ackley or something. So let's see what I have a bunch of bullets for it. Build a long range rifle and then, you know, kind of start getting back into like learning, or not learning, but kind of re familiarizing myself with dope cards and that kind of stuff, you know, stretching out the 375 and see what it'll do and that M223, seeing what it will do. But um, anyway, I just wanted to go ahead and get a quick episode out tonight just to kind of catch up with everybody, touch bases, let everybody know we're not trying to do another six month gap with no episodes, just been hard with the uh, moving everything over to the computer, and I'm going to try to get something situated here soon where I can still record with Nick or Roy from um, out here in, in the work camps on the pipeline. Um, anyway, uh, other than that, I don't really have a whole lot to say. If anybody has any questions, you're always free to, or I'm sorry, if you have any questions, you're always free 
to look me up on Facebook. We're on Facebook under the Mountain Man Band Show. You can find me personally on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, which is the Shooter's Apprentice. Quite a few other media platforms, MeWe and YouTube and whatever else. You're always free to look me up, ask any questions you have. We'll try to answer them, you know, on, on social media. And probably, you know, if it's a good question, bring it up here on the show as well. And, uh, yeah, so other than that, I don't really have any other big announcements I have to make. So go ahead and get this one wrapped up. I appreciate everybody always turning in to, uh, to listen to the show. We've been progressively building a bigger audience, and uh, I really appreciate everybody taking time out of their day to listen to my show. We will, and uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close this one out, and we will see everybody next time.